Well, good morning, church family. God is good. And all the time, amen, we are glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, Would you take just a moment right off the bat, uh, maybe it's been a really busy morning for you, Uh, maybe you're just rolling out of bed, I don't know, Um, but maybe you haven't had a chance this morning to say good morning to Father. Uh, Maybe you just jumped right into the day and and you raced to turn on the live stream and you're maybe a little bit frazzled right now. So so why don't we do this before we just race into another live stream? uh, Let's just pause and let's just uh, take a deep breath and let's just close our eyes for a moment and just just say good morning to Father. And maybe tell them what you're thankful for this morning. Just pause. We're not in a hurry. Let's just pause quietly. Say good morning. Maybe thank him for another day of life, for the many blessings that you enjoy, that I enjoy. Let's just pause right now. Turn our full attention to Father and who we are in Christ and the privilege we have to gather this morning in this way. So let's just pause right now and turn our full attention to Father. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for the privilege to gather as a church family this morning. Thank you for your many blessings in our lives. And and we don't want to just run through another live stream. We don't want to just run through another church service online because we believe that you are here. We believe that through your Holy Spirit, through the preaching of your word and, and whatever you would do that you could speak to our hearts that eternity could be changed for some listening this morning. Father, you know everything about us. You know everyone who's tuning in this morning or maybe later this week. You know where we are. You know the ups and the downs of the past week. And Father, we're so blessed and thankful that we can come to the throne of grace 24-7. And there we'll find mercy and grace in our time of need. So we're thankful this morning. We just want to say we love you dearly. Thank you for our church family. And we look forward. We look forward to what you're going to do in us and through us as we gather this morning. And all God's people said, amen. I wanted to share with you a a quote that I found uh, because this morning we're restarting our family service if you were with us before the whole pandemic thing happened you know that the first sunday of each month uh, we called it family service and that was intentional because sometimes uh, in the way that we do church uh, in the united states we forget that we are a family and this quote says this church is not an event we turn up at but a family we belong to and so this morning I hope that that helps you to reframe what you're experiencing right now. We're not at a live stream event. We're not watching something online. But believe it or not, we're part of a family. We belong to God's family. And given the current circumstances, this is how we're gathering. And I think that's a powerful way to reframe this morning. 
Because sometimes I know that in talking with people that, that because of the pandemic and because of not being able to be here, uh, some are isolated, some are feeling alone, some are lonely. And I think to reframe this morning in the sense that this isn't an event that individuals are watching, but this is a family gathering. Whether you're alone right now, whether you're with your family, you are part of God's family. And that's my heart for us uh, on this first Sunday of October, that this would be truly a family service. And what makes it a family service? Our heart, who we are in Christ. That wherever you are geographically, you are part of God's family. And I hope that puts a smile on your face. So our brother Randy is going to come up. He's going to lead us uh, in the offering and uh, pray for us. and, And then we'll continue on with our service. Good morning, church. Always an honor and a privilege to lead us in our giving. I just want to remind everybody up front that uh, we take snail mail at 1290 Grand Ojai. We do have a mail slot in the door that many of you have taken advantage of. Love to see your smiling faces there. We've got online giving through both the church app and the website. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, in in this time that we've been in for now, I guess nearly 30 weeks seems incredible, but, you know, expenses and issues here at the church where we uh, are tasked with uh, being responsible with the Lord's money. There have been so many things that we have wanted to do for a length of time as far as putting the message of God's word out online, on YouTube, on Facebook, wherever. And we've learned as we've gone along, there's been a number of technical uh, advances that we've made here. Uh, We've got some young people that have done a terrific job that are far more understanding of tech issues than I am. Hey, I only sweep dirt out of people's fireplaces. What do I know about technical stuff, right? But there have been, if I can even recall, there have been special programs for computers new computers that can receive the programs, special cameras, special audio, special drum sets, special all kinds of things that we didn't know uh, how to use that existed that we needed. And as the dominoes fell on technology, one week after next, we realized there was a missing component. We believe that we're at a place now where, uh, where we can be to present God's word thanks to the resources that the Lord has put on your heart to return to him for kingdom purposes. We want to encourage you to look on, I believe the website has budget information there. If you'd like to see where we are as far as giving versus the working budget, that type of thing. If you ever have any questions, you're welcome to contact or or call any of us for information like that. But sometimes it just does, uh, it does many good things for us to seek that information, to see where that's at and to respond to what God's put on our heart. Let's pray for today's giving. Father, we do, we do, uh, we're so blessed and we, and we do trust in all that you put on our heart, Lord. And, and, and we know that the, the responsibility of facilitating the resources of yours for your kingdom purposes, for putting out your truth, for putting out your word, we praise you and thank you knowing that you don't allow anything to happen, including this pandemic, that you can't use, that you can't use to, to kickstart your kingdom and, and for, for those purposes to save people's souls. We praise you and thank you, Lord, for the opportunity 
to give, to return to you a small portion of 100% of what's yours. We ask for your blessing on the message this morning. We ask for your, your guidance and your, and your words through Pastor Bill as he provides that message. And we just ask that uh, you would continue to act in our lives in a way that makes us know your presence. We know that you're there, and we just so appreciate that, uh, that guidance as we seek. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 66, verse 1 through 4. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. For all the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Let's worship his name now.
Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, good to see you again. You all look the same this morning. Uh, uh, as Richie said, it is our uh, family Sunday. And as we did before, uh, during that time, we had our monthly one another devotional. And so that is something that we're going to be doing this morning very briefly before we uh, meet and greet. And uh, kind of what we're just going to do with that this morning is we're just going to kind of reiterate what it is and really why that's important for us um, as, you know, Christians, people at the well or wherever you're at, whatever community uh, you're a part of, uh, this one anothering is very important. And, you know, a lot of are newer to this whole thing and maybe aren't familiar with that. Um, and actually someone kind of recognized a pattern, uh, you know, reading their Bible that there's a lot of commands for us on on doing life together. Um, and we actually have like a little kind of picture. Many of you are familiar with this. Uh, this has uh, all the one another's from the Bible, mostly from the New Testament, uh, on how that looks. And obviously the biggest one there is love. That's kind of the biggest command that we get of, of loving one another. And how that looks is in all these other different ones, whether that's encouraging one another, forgiving one another, and among many others, probably like 50 or so. So, uh, that's something that we really value here as just people that are following Jesus. And obviously this is for us as the church, as those of us that are following Jesus and, you know, walking through life together. Uh, it's, it's really important. Um, and although they, they are commands, it's really, uh, when we think about even the fruit of the Spirit, it, it's very similar. These aren't things that just kind of we, we do and we check off. It's really a, a part of a you know, our new creation in Jesus, and these things happen. Uh, and when I think of, on the one spectrum, we have uh, why it's important for us to encourage one another, and then we have, you know, things of forgiving one another that kind of assumes that we may step on each other's toes, which we've, we've said before, you know, we, we will do that. Uh, and it's not bad that we, we do that or that happens, but if we don't learn from that, that, that can be a challenge. So it is very important for us as the church uh, to, to look into these um, and now we say we like to one another, you know, we're all about doing life together. And those are all just, you know, creative fun sayings, uh, but they're really not the point. They're a means for us, uh, to, oh my, oh, sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> I'm, an, I'm new at this. <laughs> uh, they're, they're really a means for us to, to a greater end. And so it's worth, uh, really saying why it's important. Uh, I think of Jesus when he says, uh, you know, People will know that we're his disciples by what? By the way we love one another. Uh, and even, you know, Paul, when he's encouraging Timothy in his letter to Timothy and even the elders uh, at Ephesus, uh, this is how you guys should conduct yourselves as, as men and women who are leaders. And they're saying, you know, how, how can you love and take care of the family of God if you can't do that with your own family? And I think for us as Christians who are in a, you know, broken world, how, how can we do that? Uh, to those outside the church if we're not doing that well on the inside. And so really the, the heart with this and our heart with one anothering and having this devotional really is that we would be encouraged from Scripture that, you know, there's really awesome and great ways for us to love and care for one another, um, but that there's also an element of challenge because, you know, we don't always like to hear what the Bible says because, honestly, if we're, you know, we, we really kind of look at our own heart we tend to want to do what we want to do, and we don't like to be challenged. And so we also, you know, on the, the one side of we want to provide 
encouraging words from Scripture, we, we also want to let God challenge us uh, from the hard things. Uh, so we're not just walking away just feeling better about ourselves. We really want to genuinely love and follow Jesus uh, with each other. And, and I just think about the time that we're in right now, uh, just a lot of the groups that have popped up, the men's groups, the women's groups, even uh, Shiloh and I doing our young adults group. Uh, these are all elements of us doing life together, even in a way that seems like it wouldn't actually work because it's online and we don't get to see each other face to face. Now, obviously, it'd be nice when, when we get to do that. Um, but even in the midst of all that one anothering still happens, and we still want to encourage that. And again, this is something that we want to keep doing regularly, again, as our family Sunday, um, because it's really core to us as believers um, to love each other and to do life together and just to, uh, to walk through life together. And as Richie said, uh, it's not just an event we go to where it's a family we're a part of. And I think it's sometimes hard to do that because we're all very, very different. Uh, and I think it'll take hard work. So that's really it for our one another uh, devotional today is really just say this is what it is. This is why it's important for us. And if you're tuning in from out of town, uh, now you know when we say let's one another with one another, uh, now you have some context. So again, uh, we are going to have a little bit of meeting ingredients. So be sure to just reach out to someone uh, right now or later throughout the day and continue one anothering with each other. Thank you, Jordan. Uh, and I want to really uh, thank you and affirm all of you who during the last five, six months have found creative ways to one another. Uh, texting, Zooming, emailing, calling, visiting. Uh, you know, uh, initially when we were no longer able to meet together, I think there was a sense of loss and really a sense of uh, maybe anxiety about, well, how are we going to stay together? And, and I and myself and, and really the elders here, we want to say thank you to you. Uh, we are very much aware of how you have been loving, encouraging, uh, one anothering one another the last five or six months. And quite frankly, many of you actually have more uh, deeper relationships with one another than five or six months ago. It's funny how these circumstances, in the end, you look back, right? But sometimes uh, we, we kind of take for granted that God works all things for the good. Well, uh, how many of you, uh, show of hands, actually are in a deeper relationship with one another uh, than you were five months ago because of the pandemic? I know my group of guys, what's up, fellas, Thursday night, uh, but for the pandemic, we would that particular group would never, ever have come together in the way that it has via Zoom Thursday night at 8 p.m. And so I, I love the guys, um, and we actually have enjoyed one anothering. And, and who knew that uh, because of this, we would grow to where we are. And, and yet, in all of that, I know probably in the back of your minds, many of you would have said, you know... It, uh, I still look forward to being able to one another on a Sunday. And I wonder when that's going to happen. And uh, I want to say again, thank you uh, to many of you who have been praying for the elders here. Uh, because you know it's been quite a journey the last five or six months as we've sought the Lord for this particular church family. And the timing of, of opening and you know starting and stopping. And then uh, the blessing of being able to do Wednesdays at the well. Uh, the past several uh, weeks and, and being able to be together physically. Uh, well, I wanted to share with you this morning 
as we launch into the final quarter of 2020, uh, really uh, an opportunity and a wonderful way to one another, one another here on Sundays. Okay, so so I know many of you have been uh, looking forward to this and you'll be excited. So kind of I'm going to take it slow and, and uh, you know, try to be as clear as I can. Uh, starting next Sunday, October 11th, okay, uh, we are going to give you the opportunity to join us here at 1290 Grand uh, out on the patio. Okay? Uh, it's kind of like if you've been to Wednesdays at the well, you know the protocols and, and everything. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to set up a, a big screen TV. Kind of if you've been here, you know the big screen TVs. We're going to have it out on the patio. And uh, if you would like to come and enjoy worship together, uh, with your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, out and enjoy the live stream on the patio. Uh, that's going to be available starting next Sunday. And uh, there will be registration required, and we're going to send out notifications during the week. The registration will begin Thursday, October 8th. We'll have all the details. Uh, again, the commons won't be open. There won't be a Kingdom Kids program. Uh, but if you are ready and excited to be here with us on a Sunday morning. Uh, one option uh, so far that we know of is you'll, uh, the patio will be open. You'll be able to come in, sit out there on the patio, and enjoy the live stream together and fellowship and, and one another, one another. Okay, that's one way. The second way, and, and this is yet to be determined, but I wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, many of you have probably been following uh, the Ventura County uh, protocols and guidelines, and they created this colored system with various, uh, um, you know, tiers and what you can do and not do. Well, some of you may have heard that Ventura County entered the red tier last week. If Ventura County stays in the red tier through what we understand is Tuesday, October 6th, there is a possibility that they would reopen businesses and worship centers with guidelines and restrictions uh, immediately, sometime this coming week. If we get the green light to reopen this week, we are going to allow, and uh, there will be registration available for you, to be in the worship center next Sunday. And man, oh man, that, we're looking forward to that. So, again, uh, we are on hold uh, until we hear from the county this week. Tuesday is the big day. Uh, if, we, if they give us a thumbs up and they open up in a limited capacity, we're going to notify you via the app, email, the website. There will be a separate registration for those who want to be inside, okay? And if that happens, now you'll have two options to be here on a Sunday. You can choose to register for inside the worship center here, or you can still choose to worship out on the patio if you're more comfortable with that. We want to be sensitive to, to everyone and you know, you know, your, your age, your health concerns, and, and really sensitive to everyone. So um, potentially, okay, potentially next Sunday you will have the opportunity to register for either in, in the worship center to be with us, and I think we'll be able to hold, Tyler, about 50-ish, 59 people in here out on the patio. Uh, because it's outdoors, there's really uh, not such a limit on people. So uh, we're excited. We're excited. So again, just to review, definitely next Sunday, 
you can register to be with us out on the patio, okay? If Ventura County opens officially sometime during the week, uh, we will notify you and we will open up the worship center here uh, to worship together for the first time in what Randy say about 30 weeks. And so uh, we are so excited uh, to, to really have walked the journey with you. Please keep us in prayer uh, as a leadership team. I know uh, it's a very sensitive issue to many people, and churches have been all over uh, the spectrum regarding this. Uh, and honestly, we've just wanted to be faithful to the Lord, to, to hear his voice for you, for this particular church family. Uh, underlying this whole reopening again is a unified heart of love, self-sacrificial love and concern for everyone's health and well-being okay if, if we're unified in our love and concern for others first we'll be fine as we enter into the uh, next quarter together but it's another opportunity to one another it's another opportunity to mature and grow in our faith uh, we love you we love the support that you've given us so next sunday uh huge step forward game changer uh we'll see you out on the patio and lord willing the patio and the worship center uh will be filled and we'll glorify god together in person all right so tyler's going to come up and continue with announcements thank you pastor richie good morning church family um isn't that exciting news i know i've been waiting for that for 30 weeks um so and having that in mind one anothering thank you jordan for that message we are meeting this wednesday again for wednesday at the well it's going to be our last one just because of um, the daylight savings and it's getting dark. And I know about you, I get really scared when it gets dark out. So we, we are going to start at 6.15 this Wednesday. It's going to be a little shorter. So we were, ju- we're just going to do some worship. We're going to have a little devotional and we're going to take communion together as a church family. So I en- encourage you to come out and join us this Wednesday. Please register online, which is available now to let us know that you're coming. But it's just going to be a great time to gather. And also, too, if you thought, oh, no, it's the 1st of October, we forgot about birthdays. No, we did not forget about birthdays. And being married to Kim, who's in charge of Kingdom Kids, I got um, drugged into the (laughs) studio. So we're going to see what birthdays look like in the Kingdom Kid world. So hit it, Eileen. Hear ye, hear ye. For thy special announcement, if you were born in the month of October, we would like to wish you a happy birthday. I know if you were looking forward to Birthday Bear, Birthday Bear took a vacation. So everybody born in the month of October, we'd love to wish you a happy birthday and tell you all we miss and love you very much. And if you're wondering why I'm dressed up like this, Kingdom Kids is starting a new series on the armor of God. So let's see what Kingdom Kids has to say. In the book of Ephesians, the Apostle Paul introduces us to a different suit of armor. The armor isn't designed for military, but for God's children. Paul tells us we are to involve our spiritual battle if we want to get out unscathed. We need some special equipment. One day, as Micah was reading his Bible, he discovered something truly amazing. Six pieces of armor to defend himself against spiritual attacks. The armor of God. Now Micah's spiritual battles will never be the same.
6, 10 through 16. The armor of God is what we should be wearing. Protection against temptation is our best defense of those who try to turn on us and try to go down the wrong path. We need to put on the full armor of God if we want to live godly lives. Today we're going to start with the most unlikely piece of all, the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Well, good morning, everybody. I don't know about you. I don't know whether I'm more excited about the one another thing that's going to happen where we're going to open up in the, in the patio and possibly even in the worship center next week or the excitement that I have every week to watch those videos. I mean, they are just fun, aren't they? They are just really fun. Well, listen, today we're going to take a little bit of a break from Pastor Richie's expository teaching on, um, on Ephesians, right? We've been in Ephesians, and, and uh, uh, I mean, are you with me? Has that been great teaching or what? It has been really great teaching. I love uh, the, the, the last half of Ephesians that talks so practically um, about uh, really our walk of faith. It really does, doesn't it? But I'm going to start this morning uh, by reminding you that you should be taking a look at everything, everything including yourself and especially yourself uh, through a biblical lens. So as you do that today, we're going to open the Word of God and do that. Will you please just look at yourself through a biblical lens, because our primary scripture today uh, is going to be in the Psalms. We're going to be taking a look at Psalm 1, the whole thing, all six verses. And Psalm 1 is a really, really powerful psalm. But then again, the whole of scripture is powerful. Amen? It is all powerful. And I don't want you to misunderstand the word of God today. Please do not misunderstand the word of God. You see, because the word of God, the word of God is absolute truth. It is absolute truth. And I'm, I can assure you, I can assure you that God's word will transform your life. But there's something that's necessary. You see, you have to be willing. You have to start by being willing to be transformed. And that transformed life starts with what? You have to be able to repent, which means essentially just agree. All you have to do is agree. And then if you agree, then turn 180 degrees for wherever you're out of sync with the Word of God. It's really that simple. And then what do we do? Then we just live it out. So turn, turn in the direction, be in sync with the God of the Word and the Word of God, and then just live it out. And you see, if you're willing to do that, even today, if you're willing to do that today, to submit to the Word of God, well, that's great. But you see, if you're not willing to do that, that that's a bummer. <laughs> I mean, really, that would, that would be a bummer. But what I'm hoping for today is that the Holy Spirit is going to get a hold of you and maybe turn what has previously been some unwillingness in your life into a willingness, a willingness in your life, because that would be awesome. Because you see, God has a way of doing that, doesn't he? Doesn't God have a way of turning your unwillingness and my unwillingness into a, into a heart of willingness? And I hope he does that through the, through the word today. In fact, that's been my prayer all week. All week I've been praying that each of us would have an encounter with the Lord through his word today in Psalm 1 that would, that would turn us to submitting in, in a certain area perhaps in our life where, where we heretofore have not. It's important because, frankly, nothing else really matters other than conforming our lives to Jesus and to the Word. We must conform our lives to Jesus 
and the word, the word of God, his will, his truth for our life, his promises, because all of it is based in his absolute and unconditional love for us. Every single bit of it. Because he unconditionally loves you personally and me. Amen? Amen. So let's pray and then we're going to jump right into the word. Father, we're going to open your word right now, God, and I pray, Lord, that we would be, we would be challenged. Father, we would be challenged and, and it would be exciting, God, in that challenge uh, that you would speak truth to us, Lord, that you would open our eyes, you would open our, our ears, but mostly, God, that you would open our hearts so that you would speak and that, God, that we would respond. All in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, listen, Psalm 1 starts this way in the ESV. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Seems like a heavy psalm, doesn't it? But right out of the box here, the psalmist tells us that that you will be blessed. And who doesn't want to be blessed? I mean, do you want to be blessed? Okay, who does not want to be blessed? Of course, blessings are great. Because what is a blessing? Basically, a blessing in Scripture is meaning that you are happy. It's a, it's a, it's a term of happiness. And so, and so when it's applied to people like us, blessed or blessed means happy. But we use that same word in Scripture, and sometimes it's applied to God, to God himself. And when we say, uh, bless the Lord, that means praise. So this morning, I'm hoping that you will be blessed happy, and that you will bless the Lord, not just today, but always. Bless the Lord always. The Hebrew word here in this very first verse in Psalm, the word blessed literally means this. Go straight, advance forward, and to set right. Well, it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I think you'd be happy if you do all those things. So in Psalm 1, we see this blessing comes from advancing and being set right on the, on, on the straight path in the will of God. And we see it in fellowship with God through his word. That's what the psalm is about. And by way of introduction, frankly, what we need to see is that this is a picture of a fork in the road. Psalm 1 is a fork in the road. And we're going to see that this fork has some pretty dramatic contrasts. In fact, this whole This whole psalm is a psalm of contrasts. So look at the very first word. You can put it up again, Eileen, if you would. Look at the very first word of Psalm 1 and look at the very last word of Psalm 1. Look at the bookends. Blessed is the first word and perish is the last word in verse 6. Blessed and perish. Talk about contrast I mean, this is the real deal. We're talking about contrast here, you see, because Scripture always has a fork in the road. Have you noticed that? As you're looking into Scripture, there's always two roads. There's always a fork. Whether in this case it's blessed or perishing, 
They are two distinctly very different roads, aren't they? And we're going to see today that this, these roads, they're the roads to both righteousness and wickedness. Hard righteousness and wickedness. But these are the two roads that the psalmist is talking about here. And we think David wrote this psalm, but we're not absolutely sure, but we believe it to be true. See, this psalm is about radical contrasts. And just as a side note, before we dive in, in an expository way here, a side note is that this message is about blessing today, and a blessing is a beatitude. You remember the beatitudes? For those of you who are, who are, who are into the scriptures, you remember that Jesus, when he was preaching uh, his sermon on the mount, he said this, right? He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. You see, so this beatitude pronounces a blessing on certain groups of people. That's what Jesus was talking about. Blessed be these people, he was saying. So a B attitude pronounces blessing on a certain group of people. So today, I hope you're one of them. I really do. I hope you're blessed today. But the blessing of God isn't always unconditional. You see, there are conditions to blessing. There are conditions. In fact, a blessing is never a pronouncement of a life in Christ without problems. And I'm sure I can get a lot of amens to that. Amen? Okay. You see, because it's really interesting, because I've never met a believer that wasn't A, blessed, and B, didn't have their fair share of trouble, problems, trials, tribulations in life, right? That just comes with it. But you can be blessed in all of that. You can be blessed in and through anything, no matter what your circumstances are. So let's go back to verse 1 again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, of wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, the word who in this verse tells us of the conditional nature of being blessed, you see, because the condition here is either you do or you don't do certain things. Now, we know that God's love is unconditional. I hope you know that. There are no conditions to God's love. God loves you. And yet we see here, that there are some conditions on the blessing. Now, this first verse is not some list of legalistic do's and don'ts. You've heard that about Christianity, right? It's just a religion that's filled with do's and don'ts. i got to do this and I can't do that. No, it's not about do's and don'ts. This is a promise. This is a promise. It's a promise of God who's, who, to those whose lives are, are characterized by godly choices and, importantly, the choices that you make. So you need to have godly qualities in your life by the choices that you make. The biblical principle in Psalm 1 is that certain things that you do, quite frankly, are corrupt. And I think you know what I'm talking about here. There are certain things that you do, that you choose to do that are corrupt. Some things tend to tear down. They tear people down, right? And, and they're, they're destructive. Some things that we do are absolutely destructive. And, and, and they're even wicked and sometimes even evil. Yeah, that's hard. But you see, there's a contrast to that as well, because the contrast is there's other things that you can do that obviously result in just the opposite of those things. Your choice. You can do things that tend to build people up. You can do things that, that encourage people. You can do things that bear fruit. And see, these are the very things that God commands you to do in order for what? To be blessed. He wants you to do these things and not do those other things. Why? Because he wants to bless you. It's amazing stuff. 
So what are some of these things that the psalmist is talking about? Because, I mean, if you've looked at this first, first verse here, it seems pretty negative, doesn't it? Well, it's only negative because he's approaching it from the negative point of view. The psalmist says he gives us these negatives and he tells us why. Because these are the things that you're not supposed to do, so don't do these. Why? So you can be blessed. So he starts with the negatives. Watch out for these things. You've got to keep your eyes open. You see, because when there's a negative in Scripture, there's always a fork in the road to the positive. Always. Every single time there's a positive to a negative. Every single time in Scripture. That's the fork I'm talking about. That's the fork. So you have to pay attention. Back to verse 1. Blessed are those who don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, this should be pretty obvious. Should be pretty obvious. Blessed are those who don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. You know, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it should be obvious because the most of Scripture is kind of obvious. Not all of it is obvious. <laughs> Some you have to dig, but a lot of Scripture is quite obvious. But what this verse is talking about here is if you choose to make life choices and decisions based on your feelings, don't do that. Don't walk in the counsel of the wicked. Don't make decisions in life based on your feelings, your emotions, your experiences, your traditions, popular opinion, peer pressure, ungodly advice, or political correctness. Don't do those things. If you want to be blessed, just don't do those things. That's all he's saying. Don't do that. Conversely, if you want to be blessed, make your choices based on what? The whole counsel of God. Make, just make your choices based on the whole counsel of God and in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the don't walk that the psalmist is talking about here. It's a command, really. This whole not walking thing is really a metaphor for, for what? It's a metaphor for if you're walking by, you're being affected by these things he's telling you not to do. And we'll see that there's a progressiveness to this because he says, first, don't walk, don't stand, and then it says, don't sit. You see the progressiveness? That when you're walking, you're going by, but when you're standing, you're kind of with, and when you're sitting, you're hunkered down. And that's the warning. Blessed are those who don't stand in the way of sinners. What does that mean? Well, in other words, don't stand with sinners. It's one thing to walk by. It's another thing to stand. Don't stand with sinners. Don't do what they do. Now, I know what you're thinking. I can see the faces of the few of you that are in this room. I can't see your faces, but I can see these faces. You've got to be thinking, but wait a minute, we're all sinners. Aren't we all sinners? Well, yeah, if that's what you're thinking, you are absolutely right. You'd also be right if you said that you were wicked. Now, that's a hard word, and we're going to take a look at that a little bit later on in this message, but that's a hard word. But yes, you're sinners, and yes, we are wicked, which is precisely why we need a Savior. Amen? I mean, he saved us from that. See, the thing is, is that you were born into that. You were born into sin and wickedness. And you had no choice in the matter until you had a choice in the matter. That's the fork. And that is exactly what the psalmist is talking about here. He's contrasting the choices that we make. He's clearly marking the fork in the road. For what? For you to be blessed. For you to be blessed. And we've learned from studying with Pastor Richie in the book of Ephesians lately that if you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, that you can put off the old and put on the new. Well, that's pretty good news. You can put off the old and put on the new. Ephesians 4, starting in the 21st verse, says this. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus... 
To put off old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And what? And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in what? In true righteousness and holiness. You see, even Ephesians has a fork in the road. Your old self and your new self. So which one is it? Do you want to live in your old self? Or do you want to put on the new self? That's the fork. So what the psalmist is saying here is don't stand with those who have chosen deliberately to live a life in a way that is in direct opposition to the word of God. Don't do that. Because God has given us his revelation on how we're to walk. So walk that way. Don't walk the other way. Don't stand with those that do, it says. And he's speaking about people that are in a habitual, premeditated, I don't really care what God has to say kind of sin. That's who he's talking about. You see, we're going to see in a bit bit that if you stand with sinners and you aren't deep-rooted, if you aren't deep-rooted and you're going to stand with sinners, you will be uprooted. I assure you, you will be uprooted and not blessed. Because why? Because sin is infectious. It is infectious. And the third thing here is about not sitting. That's that third in the line of progression. Blessed are those that don't sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers in some translations. I like the word mockers better because it's a little bit more of a, of a contemporary word. We don't use, I don't use scoffer unless I read it in scripture. But mocking, that's something that I would use. Blessed are those who don't sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. See, the last of these three negatives here commands you not to actively be or be like or more accurately live like those that mock God. So now before you get all comfortable with that, remember I asked that you take a look at yourself through the lens of Scripture today. Take a look at yourself through the lens of Scripture today. Examine yourself, as it were. Because I think most of us would agree that mocking God is probably one of those things that's pretty high up on our list not to do. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? So, okay, so we don't do that. We don't do that. But what we do do often is we do this, don't we? We point our finger at those that do. We're pretty good at finger pointing, and that is actually quite dangerous. Finger pointing is dangerous. Because, you see, scoffing or mocking God isn't simply the words or the thoughts that we use that are sinful or incompatible with godliness and holiness that, by the way, we are called to. You see, it's choices that we make, too. It's about choices that we make. It's how we choose to live our lives, both morally and spiritually, because those two are, in God's view, like this, completely connected. So how do you scoff or mock God? Maybe that's a question you're asking yourself as you're looking at yourself through the lens of Scripture this morning. Well, the easy answer for us, those of us that are finger finger pointers, The easy answer is, well, how do you not scoff or how do you scoff or mock God? Well, the easy answer for for mocking God is a blatant disobedience to his word. That's mocking God. If you are blatantly, in an unrepentant way, being disobedient to God through his revelation to you, through the word, you are mocking God. Are you doing that? Are you doing that? You see, because the truth here is, if you're doing that, you are mocking God. 
And if you're not, you're blessed. That's the contrast. That's the fork in the road. You see, it's up to you. It's up to you. But see, we can't stop there because there's other ways to mock God, isn't there? There's ways that aren't quite so blatant to mock God. And here's where you really need to take a close look at yourself. How about like indifference? If you're just totally indifferent. Well, let me tell you, Scripture says you're mocking God if you were just totally indifferent. And what about when you think that you just have, frankly, better things to do with your time? Other than the things of God. Or how about by substituting your own ideas and your own authority over the authority of God and the authority of God's word? But here's the big one. Here's the big one in mocking God. What about hearing the word proclaimed and then simply ignoring it? Simply ignoring it after having heard the word of God, absolute truth. James one twenty two has something to say about that. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Why? Because you're deceiving yourselves. There is no blessing in being a hearer only. Be a doer of the word. Otherwise, you're deceiving yourself. And Proverbs one twenty two says this, How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers, and you could add mockers in here if you'd like, how long will you scoffers and mockers delight in their scoffing and mocking, and fools hate knowledge? Jumping down to verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, would have none of my counsel and despised my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat of the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices, for the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. That's the bad news. But there's a fork in the road here because there's a biblical but that comes starting in verse 33. But, here it comes, but whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So you see the answer there? He's talking about two kinds of people, the people that are mocking God and the people that aren't. And the people that aren't, they're just listening to what God says and then they're doing it. They're just doing it. See, the 32nd verse in this proverb is pretty clear, isn't it? That complacency is one of the things the psalmist is talking about that is very destructive. A complacent person, according to the word of God, is a scoffer and a mocker. Ouch. Ouch. This is quite a warning in this psalm. It's quite a warning, so we got to pay attention. Otherwise, little by little, the choices that we make living outside of the truth and the covenant that we are in with the God of the Word peels all of our blessing away. It just peels it away. And there are seriously horrible consequences to slowly stepping away from the truth of the Word and the God of the Word. It's a powerful warning for us to wake up. It's a, it's a wake-up call because there are consequences to calling your own shots or simply living a life that is a, a life that we say that we're living in Christ that, quite frankly, is just lackadaisical. So don't do that. That's what the psalmist is saying. Okay? He's not chewing you out. He's just telling you what not to do if you want to be blessed. So the question is, do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be blessed? Okay, amen. There's some amens in the house. You see, there was a 
there was a Gallup poll in, in, my, in my study for this message this week. I, I ran across a Gallup poll uh, that compared the churched, okay, to the unchurched, right? And it showed that close to 50%, that's 50% in this Gallup poll of the churched were living their lives on essentially the same basis with the same values as the unchurched. You couldn't tell the difference between the two, 50%. You see, that's who the psalmist is talking to here and giving a warning to. Be careful. Don't do that. Don't do that. I was reading that, and I'm thinking about Psalm 1, which says, don't do these things if you want to be blessed. And I'm thinking about, oh, my gosh, there's 50% of the people in the church in this Gallup poll that need to not do that. Because I'm sure that every one of them would say they would want to be blessed. So how do you avoid all of this? Because the psalmist starts negative. Yeah, who wants negative? But the problem with negative, by blowing off the negative is, you see, it's true. He's giving us a warning. It's a great warning. So how do you avoid all this? Well, the great news is, is the answer is in the second verse. As it always is in Scripture, there's always an answer. It's totally sufficient. Verse 2 says, as opposed to the negative, another biblical but. But his delight, the person that isn't doing those things, and is avoiding those things, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. See, the but shows the contrast, doesn't it? There's always a contrast with the word but, always. So the biblical but here is, is that the person that isn't doing those things that wants to be blessed and is being blessed is being blessed because his delight is in the law of the Lord, and the law of the Lord he meditates day and night. You see, we're talking about character qualities here. Verse says, verse 1 says, you're blessed if you don't do these things, so consequently, uh, uh, don't do them. <laughs> right? <laughs> Hello? Just don't do them. Because you see, you either desire the blessing or you don't, right? And it's based on the choices that you're making here. He's giving you the option here. Make the choice. You want the blessing? Don't do these things. If you want the blessing, do the things that are the opposite of that. Take the fork in the road. Because you and only you are responsible for the decisions that you make. Every choice that you make, you got to take, you got to own it. You got to, I got to own my choices and, and, and decisions. You got to own yours. That's the way it works, right? That's called life. And God's giving us every opportunity to take the correct road. There's the why. It's called the fork. So take the correct one. He gives you the road to take. Just take that one. Just take that one. There's a negative and a positive here. And I, I'm telling you, I listen. Listen, I hope God's speaking to you through his word right now. I really do. I really hope. There's two verses that we've looked at out of the six we're going to take a look at today. And I hope that God is speaking to you right now. Because this is remarkable stuff. In fact, I want to read it again. But his delight, talking about the person that wants to be blessed. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Look at what God is telling you here. God is speaking. The person who experiences great blessing is the one who has a love affair. With the word. Do you see it? That's what he's saying. You might say that the one that is really blessed is a, is a person of the scriptures. His delight is in the law of the Lord, he says. This is the person who is in the word of God that so by default, the word of God is in them. Is that you? So my prayer, right this very second, right now, is Lord, please speak to those that need to receive this and then act it by way of conviction, God. Even starting today, right now. You see, and that's been my prayer all week. I've been praying that all week. It's been awesome. I've been blessed all week. So church, please, please, 
You got to note here that the quality that characterizes the life of those that are blessed that the psalmist is talking about here, uh, he's talking about this, 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 the, the character quality of someone that is blessed above everything else that God could have mentioned here is your relationship to the word of God. Every bit of which points to Jesus. All of it. Psalm 138.2 says, I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name and your steadfast love and your faithfulness for you have exalted above all things. What? Your name and your word. God's name and his word exalted above all things. Wow. That psalm pretty much speaks for itself, doesn't it? And I like a paraphrased version of Isaiah 66 too that says, this is what the Lord says, but there is something I'm looking for. A person simple and plain, reverently responsive to what I say. You see, these two verses here that we just that we just looked at, declare above all other things that God's name and his word are to be exalted, right? And he's looking for people, what? That just then are in the word of God and then reverently respond to it. Just respond. Just respond. The call is to responsiveness. So are you responsive? It's your choice. Are you responding? Are you responsive? Because the word of God is supernaturally powerful. That, church family, is a fact. The word of God is supernaturally powerful. It is alive. All words are powerful. I mean, words are just powerful, aren't they? So I encourage you to use your words in a very uplifting and encouraging way all the time. Just do that. That's one anothering, isn't it, Jordan? That's what one anothering is about. We can do that. It's not that hard. Words are powerful. So I was preparing this message for, for this week, and, uh, and uh, whenever I have the privilege to, to do this, it's always hard. <laughs> it's just always hard. Um, uh, it's always a blessing, too. Uh, because it's been my experience. I don't know if you know this or not. Uh, you ought to try this sometime. <laughs> you ought, I'm challenging you. You ought to try this sometime. Uh, because if you want to get into put, to putting together a, 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 a sermon directly from the Word of God, you watch what, what the God of the Word does to you in your life while you're putting together a, a message from the Word of God. <laughs> Whew. Man, it's been a, I'm telling you, it's been a good week. But words are powerful. And so I was thinking about that, and I was just praying about it and just being quiet before the Lord about it. And so, and so he gave this to me, and it's, it's kind of crazy, but I'm going to share it with you anyway because words are powerful. The Word of God is supernaturally powerful, but words are powerful. And so I was thinking about it this week because uh, when I was 16 years old, which is a really long time ago, um, uh, I, had, I had a girlfriend when I was 16. And uh, by the way, I married her, and so I've, I've been married to that girl for uh, 45 plus years now. But anyway, uh, back then, you see, I lived in Ojai, and I had moved uh, to Grass Valley, California, and I, I was up there for a short time, like, I don't know, uh, eight, nine months or something like that. Um, and, uh, and, and anyway, so I left here, and, and, and we two 16-year-olds here in Ojai, we were just madly in love with each other. <laughs> oh, whatever that means when you're 16. <laughs> I don't know. 
But we were madly in love, and that was before cell phones, of course, and so long-distance phone calls were like out of the question because who could afford long-distance phone calls for two 16-year-olds that were madly in love with each other that just wanted to talk, you know? That just wasn't happening. So we decided that we were going to write letters to one another, which is what we did, and here they are. (laughs) The written word to one another. And so so this 16-year-old girl that I was dating wrote me 75 letters. Here they are. And I wrote back, and there's only 39 in this. <laughs> so that clues you in a little bit, doesn't it? So, uh, and they're love letters. That's what they are. Two 16-year-old kids, they're love letters. I've saved them all these years. And um, uh, I'd, I'd uh, open one up and show it to you, but they're pretty embarrassing, so I won't. <laughs> anyway, so I got these 75 uh, letters from my, from my uh, then-girlfriend. Uh, and I got to tell you. Uh, words are powerful, man. I, I'm telling you, I, I lived in Grass Valley, and I went to. I wouldn't let my mom and dad go to the mailbox because I wanted to be the first one there because because I was anticipating eagerly that there was going to be there was going to be a letter in there. It was going to be written. It was a love letter, and it was to me. It was to me. The, the 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 letters were to me personally, and they were what? They were positive. They were uplifting. They were encouraging. They were loving. It's no wonder I married this woman. He wrote the words. They were powerful. You see, I wasn't even a believer then, but now I know looking back that that was a precursor to how it is with the word of God for me now. I'm just telling you my own personal testimony. That is how it is with the word of God for me now because I realize now that, that I want to be eager for the word of God. I want to look into the God. His mercies are new to me every single day. And I could go there and he reveals himself to me. And it's like it's unbelievably wonderful, frankly. You see, because the word of God always reminds me of who I am. But more importantly, it tells me who he is. I eagerly awaited those letters. Here they are. Whew. And by the way, one of the letters I couldn't bring because um, uh, Kim, my wife, uh, one time she sent me a coconut. It was the whole coconut. And she etched in it with like one of those wood-burning etcher things. She etched my name and address with her return address. And then she put a string on it. And Mark, you worked for the post office your whole career. You'll appreciate this. So she put a string on that coconut, a string. And then then she she clipped uh, uh, an 8-cent stamp, Mark, back in the day. That's what they cost, 8 cents. An 8-cent stamp. And she sent me a coconut. And the post office delivered it. That's awesome. But I'll tell you, for a quarter of a century now or so, I have delighted and been blessed by the Lord because of his word. So the question for you this morning is, do you delight in the word? Do you delight in the word? Do you take pleasure in the word of God? Are you a person of the scriptures? Because by the way, nowhere does it say anywhere that you have to be some kind of an intellectual uh, aspirant. Okay, you don't have to aspire to intellectuality in order to delight in the word of God. Nor does it say anywhere that you have to have a theology degree from some Bible college to simply delight in the word of God. In fact, it simply says that the answer to the negatives in verse one that we just read are about not being blessed is to be in the word of God and delight in it. So do you, do you delight in the word? I mean, seriously, be honest. If you do, well, that's great. And if you don't, well, then you don't. I mean, people, please, really, God already knows if you do or you don't. But you see, he's the one that wants to bless you. 
That's the crazy good news all the time. He wants to bless you and bless you and bless you forever. And in this case, by being in the word. So if your honest answer is, is that you don't spend time in the word or you don't delight in the word, if that's you and you've been honest, thank you, by the way, for being honest. Whether you were honest with the Lord and you just confessed that to him or you're sitting in a room someplace with somebody else and you looked over them and said, woof, that's not me. Thank you, because honesty is freeing, isn't it? I hope that there's been a load of weight coming off of some of your shoulders this morning just, just in being honest that, nah, I don't delight in the word. I'm not even in it much or at all. And if you don't meditate it on it day and night, which simply means you're just thinking about it. You're just thinking about what the Word of God says, and it, and it affects your actions, and, 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 and your actions during the day are consistent with what it says. If that's not you because you're not meditating on it, well, if you're not filtering everything in your life through His truth, well, if that's not you, uh, we're going to do something here this morning. We're going to stop for just one minute. That's what we're going to do. And the Lord gave me this just a couple of days ago, and He said, really stop in the middle of a message that's already probably too long? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Amen. That's what we're going to do. We're going to stop for one minute here because I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask your heavenly father to, for something. He says to come to him with the desires of your heart. And I am going to ask you if this is not the desire of your heart to take pleasure in his word. So that you can be blessed. If that's not your desire and you've been willing to admit that just saying, well, hey, you know, that's just not me. Well, I am going to give you one minute. To pray. To pray that the Lord would give you that desire sincerely. If you pray sincerely that the Lord would give you the desire to delight in his word and to take pleasure in it. I promise you, if that is your sincere prayer in the next minute, that he will do it because he promised that he would. And he will do that in the power of the spirit because you can't do that without him. So go ahead, every one of you who want to have that desire right now, every one of you that want to have that desire, or if you already have that desire, but you're desirous of more, he'll give it to you because everything comes from him. Every good gift comes from him. If you want that desire, I'm going to ask you to pray right now. So pray right now. We're going to give 30 seconds or a minute. I want you to pray. Go ahead. You might need more time, but God knows your heart. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your truth and for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus. Because God is so good, isn't he? God is so good. Here's a quote that I want you to hang on to. I think, Eileen, you have it so you can put it up on the screen. So I want you to just leave this up for just a little while, if you would, Eileen. I ran across this quote. I don't know who to attribute it to, but I really like it. It says, a Bible that is worn and falling apart from use usually belongs to someone who isn't. Let that sink in for a minute. A Bible that is worn and falling apart from use usually belongs to someone who isn't. Back to verse 2. Why are you to meditate on the word of God, by the way, night and day? Why are you to do that? It should be a pretty obvious answer to that. But let me tell you, I can't add a thing to how God answers that question. It's a good question. And he answers it 
in the book of Psalms, in the 19th chapter, starting in the 7th verse, and he says this. You can read it and listen up. Pay attention. Why do you meditate on the word of God day and night? Because the psalmist says, therefore God says to us, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. And the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. We don't need any other answer. So now, speaking of the person who delights in the, in the word of God and lives by its precepts as they meditate on it continuously while they are daily dying to themselves and following Jesus, being completely grounded in the word of God, verse 3 says this, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Wow. Being like a tree, of course, is what? It's a metaphor. You're not a tree. But being a tree is a metaphor. And the root word here, planted by this stream of water, actually means transplanted. And if you are a believer, by the way, you have already been transplanted. You'd been transplanted into the family of God. If you're a believer, that's another amen moment. That might even be a hallelujah moment. You see, in essence, when you were saved, you were born again, you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. You were taken out of one environment and you were transplanted into a whole new environment. Now, this particular transplanting is by a stream of water, and I'd suggest that this is a stream of living water, full of nutrients, you see, and where you're never going to get thirsty, where you're always evergreen, where you're always going to yield a good crop of fruit. That means being very productive, right? And in that spiritual productivity, what does the Word of God say? You will be prosperous. You will be spiritually prosperous. That my friends, is a very appealing picture after the negatives of what not to do. It is very appealing. Water in Scripture, of course, is regularly symbolic of what? The Holy Spirit. So you can see here now the significance of being spiritually transplanted by a stream of living water. Amen? I read a comment about this, this very verse this week, and it spoke to me directly. It spoke to me directly. I hope it speaks to you. It says, first the root, then the fruit. It's a catchy little thing, isn't it? But it's true. First the root and then the fruit is perfect because if there's no root, there's no fruit. So examine yourself right now. The question is, is your spiritual life more like a tree transplanted by a stream of living water yielding lots of fruit? Or are you more like a, like a, like a, like a tumbleweed? And of course, you know the trees go deep, don't they? They go deep while tumbleweeds, if you know anything about tumbleweeds, which you see them blowing around in the desert all the time, don't we? Tumbleweeds have one root, and it's about that long, and it's, it's, a, it's, it's like me. It's kind of short and fat, which is why they uproot easily. The wind comes along, and whatever the wind hap- direction the wind happens to be blowing, that's the way the tumbleweed goes. So, are, are you, so which is it for you? I mean, really, seriously. I mean, are you a tree or a tumbleweed? It's an important question because, frankly, if you're rootless, you're fruitless. And you're either bearing fruit in your spiritual walk or you're not. And it's depending on how 
deep your roots are. And God is looking for people with deep roots. He wants people with deep roots. But you got to know this. It takes time. It takes time to go deep. Planted by a stream of living water. And it still takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Which is another amen moment for most of us. I've heard this said before, and I've been able to, 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 to speak it because it really is true in my own life. The, the deeper I go into the Word of God, the more I know, the less I know. It's a beautiful thing because the, the Word is alive and active, and God uses it in that way. So the psalmist here in verse 2 and 3 likens fruit in your life to being deeply rooted, what? In the Word of God and meditated, meditating on it day and night. That means it's part and parcel of your life, right? In other words, it's integrated into your life. Not, not, not that you've put it into your life, but frankly, it is your life. See, because it's the same with Jesus. True, authentic Christianity has little to do, I would say nothing, to do with religiosity. It has everything to do with the transformation that comes from when you say that Jesus isn't just a part of my life, but you transition into and been transformed by saying that Jesus is my life. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Talk about blessed. Man, when Jesus is your life, and not just some add-on to it or a part of it, that's a blessing. Now, I hope you're ready for this because here comes the big fork in the road in Psalm 1. The last three verses are a huge fork in the road. I was reminded again this week that my dad used to tell me there's three kinds of people in this world. There's those that make it happen, those that watch it happen, and those that wonder what's happening. Now, while that might be generally accurate in some, in some sense, it certainly isn't biblical, right? Because according to Scripture and according to this psalm that we're looking at rather in depth this morning, in Psalm 1, there are actually only two kinds of people in the world. And here comes some pain, the righteous and the wicked, the righteous and the wicked. Jesus spoke a lot about this. Jesus spoke in Matthew when he was talking about that, that you know, remember the narrow road and the, and the wide road? And he said, be sure to focus your attention on the right thing so that you enter the narrow gate because wide is the gate and lots of people are going to go down that fork in the road. So please don't be one of them. Don't go down that road. And if you're in the church this morning and you, and you think that you're doing all the right things and you, you, but you know Jesus, but, but, but I wonder, because you're looking at yourself through the lens of In our Christian walk is not whether you know Jesus. Does he know you? Really, does he know you? Are you in a deep, intimate, and abiding relationship with, with, with the Lord so that he really knows you? Frankly, I'm just waiting to hear those words that contrast these people 
that Jesus spoke in Matthew 25 where he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't have a life verse, but if I had one, that might be the one that I choose because I never stop praying for my own personal motives to be right and pure because it's not always easy in the flesh. But I want them to be because I do long to hear those words and I hope you do too. So let's close out the psalm by looking at these last four verses or last three verses relatively quickly. Verse four, the wicked are not so. Meaning the wicked are not like those that are transplanted by the stream. The wicked are not those that bear fruit. The wicked are not those whose, whose, whose leaves uh, don't wither. Their leaves actually wither and they are not prosperous and they are not blessed. That's the contrast that he's talking about here. The wicked are not so They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Powerful, significant, painful, difficult scripture. Because it's a significant fork in the road. And the contrast couldn't be more clear, could it? The contrast couldn't be more clear and more painful. If you have the least amount of compassion for the lost. And I hope you do. I hope you see compassion for the lost. In the reality and the truth of the two types of people that the psalmist is talking about here in the word of God. You see, because the contrast is those blessed, the righteous, and those not blessed, the wicked. And that's a tough word, wicked. Isn't it? The wicked are not so, you see, because the wicked will not be like the righteous, the psalmist is saying. So we got to be clear about wickedness. As I said earlier, the Bible says that we're, that we're all wicked. We have that born into us, don't we? And it's only the finished work of Jesus on the, Christ, on the cross that, where Christ died that took care of that for us. Only Jesus' finished work took care of that. And if you're a believer, God sees you through the righteousness of Christ. That's another amen moment, I'm telling you. You want to be blessed? Think about the fact that right now, the God of the Bible, the God of all creation, if you are a believer and have put your faith in Jesus Christ, right this very second sees you as fully, 100%, no bars hold, righteous. Through the righteousness of Christ. Wow. That's really good news. Because it was nothing I could do. That's why it's called the gospel, right? It's good news. But the painful news is, it says here, the wicked are not righteous. And the context is really clear. The psalmist is talking about those two kinds of people. It's kind of like being pregnant. What? Yeah, because you're either pregnant or you're not. You're never kind of pregnant. Ask any woman. She'll tell you. You cannot be kind of pregnant. And that's what the psalmist is saying. You're either blessed or you're wicked. You're either righteous or you're wicked. It's a tough word. In Isaiah it says, there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Why? Because the wicked are always chasing after the wind. They're always trying to find what you have as being fully righteous in Christ. Being blessed and the shalom, the peace that comes from being in Christ. That's what they're looking for, but they want to reject it, you see. And that's why there's no peace for them. And then the psalmist says in 119, 155, salvation is far from the wicked. Ah, this is hard. 
Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. The contrast, of course, is right there, 10 verses later in 119.165 that says, Great peace, shalom, have those who love. What? Your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Are you tired of stumbling? Are you tired of stumbling? There's answers. Not trouble. You're going to have trouble. I'm talking about the choices that we make, that you make, that make you stumble. The consequences of your choices and your actions that make you stumble. If you're tired of that, what great peace do you have if you just get into the Word of God? That's what the psalmist is saying in both the first psalm and the 119th psalm. So in these four verses, three verses, four, five, and six, God is talking and drawing our attention to what? The difference between the righteous and the wicked. The wicked will not stand in the judgment. You see, he's saying that the wicked will fall. Two different kinds of people at two different forks in the road at two different times in their life. They've made the choice to take the wrong turn and they're going to fall at the judgment, but not you. Because those that are fully righteous are in an entirely different kind of judgment. They're not in that kind of judgment. We're simply going to give an account for what we did while we were in this fully righteous state that God saw us in positionally. Suffice to say that Revelation 20, 15 is a very, very challenging scripture. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. And I'm telling you, that should give God's people no pleasure whatsoever that, the, that those people will not be the ones standing at the judgment. They will fall at the judgment. Hard. It's hard. Because there isn't anybody that I'm speaking to right now that's hearing my voice that doesn't know somebody that's at that fork in the road. We all know somebody. Maybe it's even you that's at that fork. So is it blessed or perishing? That's the first and the last bookend words in this psalm. There's no condemnation for you if you are blessed. Jesus said, truly, truly, in John 5, 24, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. You see, for the believer, you're just going to simply give that account. And now it may be you're hearing this for the very first time. Maybe you're hearing for the first time that you just got to sit by that stream of living water so that you're, you can get refreshed. And that your roots can go deep. And maybe today even you've heard for the very first time that it's not even about religion. It's about, it's not even, it's not what you know. It's what you believe. And it's who you know. That's what's important. And of course, this is absolutely beautiful, this eternity that we have with Jesus. And you see, that could start right now. There's just no reason to wait at all because you've heard that the only thing that you have to do, in fact, there's nothing that you have to do except make the choice. You just believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord because he died for your sins. Why do we make it so complicated? It's not. And by the way, if you haven't done that, if you simply haven't done that, if you simply haven't said, whoa, I've heard it. Right from the, it's from the word of God. All I have to do is believe and then speak it out. 
Because it came from my heart, not my head. He doesn't care about your head. He wants your heart. You can do that. It has everything to do with what you believe from your heart. So if you believe Jesus died for your sin, then why don't you just simply surrender? Why don't you just simply surrender right now and believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and at this very moment, if you do that sincerely, then you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. You will be welcomed onto the right fork in the road and guess what else will happen? The other thing that will happen is you will be welcomed into the family of God, transplanted into the family of God, heirs with Christ. Wow! That's how easy that is. That's how easy it is. Because in the fork of the road, there are the righteous and the wicked. And you see, it's up to us. We got to decide. Which fork am I going to take? And for believers, we have to take that fork of the road every day. The scriptures say we got to die to ourselves so we don't take the wrong fork in the road. Because the progression is that we hang around with the wrong kind of people and do the wrong kinds of things, and, we, and it's progressively getting easier and easier. Guess what? We'll be infected by that. And you won't be blessed. See, this psalm is powerful, and it's an introduction to the whole book of Psalms right here in six short verses. And it's a book of both poetry and prophecy, and it's beautiful, and it tells us about who God is. And the central point of of this particular psalm, the very first one, is contrasting the two types of people, the blessed and the wicked. And the contrast between the two is the blessed are in the word of God. What? Yeah, you delight in the word of God, in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And how can that be true? Well, the very nature of the Bible, the very nature of the written word of God is that it is God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible word to you and to me. You see, just like this between two people was a love letter between two young kids, the 16-year-olds, this is a love letter between the God of the Bible and you. It's totally sufficient to meet every one of your needs. Every one of your needs. And it's worth saying again that the Bible that is worn and falling apart from use usually belongs to someone who isn't. Benny, Chai, why don't you guys come up? So church, these are some hard truths in Psalm 1, the very first psalm. Because we don't live in a post-modern church now. Church, we live in a post-truth world now. It is post-truth. Satan is doing everything possible. Everything possible to what? Obscure the truth. In fact, he hates the truth. And Jesus, and your life is about Jesus. In fact, now you know today that your life is more than just about Jesus. If you're a true believer, your life is Jesus. Your life is Jesus. That's good news because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. And I hope someone out there just made that, that confession of faith today. I hope that you were saved into an eternity with the Jesus that loves you. Because the word of God is truth, you see, and Jesus is truth. And people are seeking truth. And my guess is perhaps even you. Even you are a seeker of truth. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be watching or listening to this right now. Blessed is the one who delights in the word of God on which they meditate day and night. I want to close with a very short story. 
powerful. It's about George Whitfield, who was an 18th century preacher of the word. Of... He was an evangelist. In fact, some say he was an evangelist's evangelist. But George Whitfield was constantly hounded by a group of yes, detractors who tended to follow him around and protest wherever he went to preach the word of God. They even gave themselves a name. They gave themselves the name the Hellfire Club. Several of the Hellfire Club members mocked God. They mocked the word of God and they mocked Whitfield by sarcastically mimicking Whitfield's sermons. One of those men, his name was Thorpe, and Thorpe was particularly good at this mimicking. You see, he was, he was able to virtually memorize Whitfield's scriptures and his messages. And then while mocking God and the Word of God and Whitfield as he delivered a message in mocking fashion to his cronies and whoever would listen, and he did this with brilliant accuracy, imitating even Whitfield's tone, his facial expressions, right down to his body language. But you see, Thorpe on one occasion was delivering this scathing mockery of Whitfield's sermon on the gospel of Jesus Christ. When in a moment, during this scathing mocking of the word of God and the God of the word he himself was so pierced by the words that he was speaking that he literally fell to the ground and the man was speechless because the God of the word had his heart right then and there from mockery to fully righteous in the eyes of God in a moment because Hebrews 12 or 412 tells us that the word of God is living and active it's, it's sharper than any two edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart Are you a person of the word? Do you delight in the word? God wants to bless you no end by seeking him in his word, his truth, his peace, his blessing is yours through the word of God. Let's pray. God, we're going to take communion as a church family wherever we are. And we've heard from your word this morning, God, that in our actions, Lord, we can choose to be blessed because you've told us that you want to bless us. You've told us which way to walk. You've told us, you've told us where to go, where not to go, what to do. And we need that. We need that structure in our life, God. 
So whether or not we're partaking of communion wherever we are today, God, right now I just want to encourage everybody to remember that communion is about remembering Jesus because he is the way, the truth, and the life. You can do that with taking the cup and the, and the bread or not. As we're excited about such a time as this that we may even be able to meet as a church family and one another together next week, I got to tell you, I'm excited about that. So Lord, please, I pray, Lord, that your will be done, whatever that is. Not only for this church, but God, for each individual that is the church that calls this their church. So thank you, How your word is powerful, that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, that it will pierce us to the heart, God. Drop us to our knees because it is your love letter to us personally. And Lord, we bless you for that truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. for you. 
Church.org. The crossroads, a fork in the road, as Pastor Bill told us today. You know, God created us all with free will. And it is simple to say we need to make a choice with our free will of which direction we're going to go. Will we be a, a tree planted near the stream, the living water, or will we be that tumbleweed? that blows away. Decision that we all have to make. I want to encourage everyone. What has the Holy Spirit said to you today? Has he touched your heart? Are you a believer that's questioning how close to the water you're planted? Do you know someone that needs to be planted close to the water? We want you to utilize the resource of this email. Reach out. Don't go, through, don't go through this alone. We're happy to pray with you. That's what we love to do here. Uh, if the Lord has put it on your heart today to reach out to him, it is so simple. You don't need to go to the email. You simply need to call out to him. You simply need to acknowledge that you are a sinner, that you believe he is the son of God, that he died and rose on the third day, and he's the Lord of your life. It is just that simple. The rest is a growth process. The roots will grow. Plow your heart. Make that seed receptive to growth. We want to thank you all, as usual, for joining us. We know there's many options for online services on a Sunday. We want to reach out and, and tell you how, how uh, much we appreciate you wanting to get the truth of God here at the Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship as we come to you sparingly from the well today, hopefully for the last time. We look so forward to, to greeting many of you at the very least outside next week and God willing, inside of the building. We want to thank you again and God bless.